everybody. Perfect. Thank you. Welcome back to Season 2 of the Transatlantic Rebels. Yes, the theme music has changed, but the discernible lack of quality remains, fear not. My name is Jessel, and my co-host is Roshard. On this episode, we'll reflect on some of the biggest films of summer 2017, including why I absolutely hated Dunkirk. So stay tuned, because we are back. Okay, so ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's episode of the Transatlantic Rebels. What we're going to do as kind of feeling our way back into uh, season two is recount some of the summer blockbuster films, well, and not just blockbuster films, but um, any kind of big films that we both saw over the summer. Um, I think we've both seen most of the big ones. You've seen a couple more than me, maybe. Um, and, uh, and, And there are some pretty controversial opinions, but... It won't be too long. I'm even going to set like a five-minute timer for each film so we don't go on too long about each film. And uh, and, and then that's the basic premise of, of this week's episode. So let's crack on into what films we've seen. Now, we had a kind of provisional list. Now, I think we've both seen Spider-Man Homecoming, uh, War of the Planet of the Apes, Dunkirk, and Guardian, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Um, I think you've also seen Wonder Woman and Baby Driver. I did not get a chance to see Wonder Woman. It's really driving me crazy and it hasn't actually come out on <laughs> rental yet. It's really bizarre. It's like I was looking forward to it so much and then it just came out at exactly the wrong time. So I just didn't get to see it. Um, the great news is I now have a cinema three minutes away from me. So um, so that's why I kind of caught up on, on loads of big blockbusters after, after it opened. Spider-Man Homecoming. What were your initial thoughts on Spider-Man Homecoming? I mean, there was there was like five Spider-Man movies that came out before this one. You had like three Tobey Maguire ones and you had like two Andrew Garfield. And I've been a Spider-Man fan. I think I've been reading comics since I was 10. And um, I think Spider-Man was the first one I got. And Spider-Man was the one I bought the most. Like when I was a kid. And then as, a, then as I got older, I found more sophisticated comic books. I got into that kind of stuff. But anyway, cutting back to that. So Spider-Man is like literally my favorite superhero. And, uh, so when it came to the old movies, like they got certain things that were good about them, certain things that were, that were okay or whatever, but I felt like they never nailed it. Like Andrew Garfield was good for like, cause he's a great actor and Tobey Maguire was good, but they never nailed that little kid who had the powers and like, what would you do as a kid and kind of figure that thing out? Like Spider-Man, the whole thing about Spider-Man was he was groundbreaking because he was pretty much the sidekick in comic books, always normally a kid. And he was the first time that the kid was the main character in the comic book in comic book history, at least as, as far as superheroes go. So he was kind of groundbreaking with that. So watching these, if you've listened to any of the podcasts beforehand, um, I watched the MCU movies and blah, blah, blah. But to get to the point where I always waited for Spider-Man to come down. And I think that the fact that they got, I felt like when I watched this movie, that they perfected Peter Parker. And they made him relevant because out of all the adults you see in the Marvel Universe, you see the kid. And they nailed the high school aspect. And they nailed the reason why he's so different is because he's the guy that's the local hero, not the big giant hero. So, I mean, just as long as short of it, I loved it. Okay. Um, for me, I really, really enjoyed it. I think when I was in the cinema, I thought it was fantastic. I thought Tom Holland was very believable, as you were saying, a young Spider-Man. Because he's not really, he's barely a man, for God's sake, at that age, you know. Um, I thought the bad guy in it uh, i mean we're, we're not going to sort of go into spoilers and stuff because obviously not everyone's seen these films we'll just talk in circumspect but um the bad guy in this is michael keaton and i thought he was exceptional i i think michael keaton has really just carried on developing out of the limelight like he when he ducked out of hollywood for about 15 years pretty much and he's just come back he's just so good right now and he was perfect in this um the only thing I would say about Spider-Man Homecoming is it didn't stay with me as long as I thought it would. Um, I, I really enjoyed it whilst I was watching. And then about a week later, I was kind of struggling to really carry on that feeling. Um, whereas I think with other Marvel Cinematic Universe films, I've carried them with me a lot longer. And actually, I'd say the Tobey Maguire one, the first one, um, I've probably carried that with me 
pretty pretty solidly whereas i don't think this has the longevity perhaps i think this will fit perfectly into what is necessary right now it's very du jour it's very kind of what it's almost like a, a sort of the, the missing part of what Marvel needed for this moment in time. I don't think in 10 years time, people will necessarily come back and say, oh, it's a classic. It's a classic. But I think it, it was perfect for what was needed right now. So I, I don't know, but I, I definitely enjoyed it. For sure. I would argue the opposite way, because I think when the Spider-Man came out when at our age, it came out at a, at a certain time. I think that the kids that are watching this one now, this is when for them, this will be the classic one, especially like Tom Holland. If you, I've been like observing it because I'm trying to study. There's certain things I'm doing in my book that I'm studying Marvel going on, and they're positioning him very well because the the main job of this movie was supposed to be because the the other Spider-Man movies that Andrew Garfield weren't received very well as far as popularity. So basically, this the job of this movie is to basically like get Spider-Man in a more positive light. So next year you'll see Spider-Man in the next the next two Avengers movies. And then after the last Avenger movie comes out, I think it's going to be 2019, the same, the very same summer, it's going to be the second Spider-Man movie. And I think what's going to happen is this, is that you're going to see, so within the next three years, you're going to see Spider-Man at least five times, Civil Wars last year, Spider-Man this year, um, the two Avengers movies, which are next year and the year after next, and then Spider-Man 2 in um, 2019. And I think what's going to happen is this, is that maybe this one, not so much. But I think they're positioning the second one to be that one. And I think that as far as kids go, the kids are growing up right now. Tom Holland's going to be so ingrained in their mind. Like Spider-Man already won Best Summer Movie at MTV Music Awards, like the MTV Kids Choice Award. So I think at this point, the Tobey Maguire stuff is probably going to be for it. Because I've watched it on Twitter and a lot of people on Twitter, our age, tend to go for Except maybe like the super diehard Spider-Man fans that read the books, because there's so many things that if you read the books, it like it captures so many aspects of Peter Parker. And then um, I think for the kids that are coming out now, I think it might wind up being a classic for them, at least for I, that's what I think. I think you probably hit the nail on the head, to be honest. OK, five minutes is up. What score out of 10 would you give uh, Spider-Man Homecoming? All right. The, the non-Richard thing if, if i was recommended to other people i would say an eight but for my personal taste it's top three marvel movie for me so it's going to be a 10 wow wow okay i was waiting 30 years for this movie yeah damn okay i'd probably score it about an eight out of ten i think when i was in the cinema i felt like it was a nine and then after about a week i was like no it's more like a seven and a half and eight for me personally mm-hmm. uh, but I, I don't have that connection with spider-man that you do okay Next up, let's go to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. What did you think of Volume 2? I like the first Guardians of the Galaxy. I put it in the same category as the first Avengers because I know that they both came out at a moment in time where things were like, quote unquote, fresh. And Avengers was the first time you've seen the all the Avengers team up, whatever like that. And people say, Oh my God, it's shock and all. And then I think guardians was like off the beaten path because that was the first, I mean, the Thor movies were actually the first ones that were off earth, but I think this was the, the first guardians was the first movie that basically was like full on sci-fi. And I think that was like, I don't know if did the force awakens come out. I think force Awakens came out after it. So I think that was the first like full on sci-fi movie. Like as far as like populist mainstream crowd pleaser that came out since like the Star Wars movies. And I think that hit the zeitgeist at that point. Um, so, but for me, I always felt like the first Avengers and the first Guardians were like the cloud pleasers with a, with, with a basic plot line, but the characters carried the plot through. And for me, I know the same way I felt about Age of Ultron, which is like in my top three. This one, I felt like pushed the characters further. It was like, to me, I thought, because I think James Gunn was going for Empire Strikes Back. Not so much in like like the um the sense of um like cultural impact, but in the fact that there's a sub there's a subtext in the Marvel universe where like everybody knows where the plot goes. The good guys get together, there's a bad guy, the bad guy needs to be stopped. But the strength always was to this MCU movies were that Kevin Feige, the the uh, producer that oversees everything, keeps the vision straight, he his his philosophy is basically like if you grow attached to the main characters then um, then the audience will follow you wherever you go for the most part. And I think that the choice that they made with this movie basically was, 
is that they're, they're a dysfunctional family and they're screwed up. And whereas the first one introduced to them, this movie gave you the reason why they were so screwed up. And I enjoyed that very much. Okay. For me, I, uh, it's along those lines. I don't think the action in this film was particularly great at all, to be honest. I think this was more about character development and also kind of understanding the wider context of what is going on. So, because when, once by the end of the film, you're kind of like, oh shit, this isn't just about kind of, you know, Spider-Man in his school or Iron Man on Earth. This is huge. This is like intergalactic, blah, blah, blah. So, and I think they did a good job of it. I thought there was a lot of entertainment value in this film. It was funny. It was just actually really funny. People were cracking up in the cinema and stuff. So, which I think you need that. This balances out the the Marvel character, uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe very well in a way that, you know, it's one thing to have Tony Stark and his dry quips, but this is kind of like, it's a very entertaining premise, the whole thing. And, and, um, what's his face? The, um, what's his name? Dave Bautista is Drax the Destroyer. I mean, he was, Oh my God, he was hilarious when he just kept telling that woman how ugly she was and stuff. It was yeah. just brilliant. It was really on the nose, but it was so funny. Remember that funny. line he said? You remember that profound line? He was like, he was like, beautiful people don't understand. Like, cause he, I'm messing up the line, but he was saying it just that if you're ugly and people love you, then they're loving you for who you are, but beautiful people yeah. can't understand that, that kind of thing. There were so many of those like truisms dipped into the movie within the last. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which, which is kind of like an MO for the whole project itself, really, of, of Guardians of the Galaxy. You know, these are ugly people in various ways. Um, and they, they have backstories that aren't always pretty. You know, there's no sort of like neat ribbon being tied on it. So I don't know. I, I really liked it. I, again, similar to Spider-Man Homecoming, it's not really stayed with me. Um, but I, I, I think when you're kind of rewatching the whole lot together in the future, I think it will do its job very well. I think this is the thing that critics kind of get to. And I think we can talk about this for a second. I think what's happening here is this, because basically Marvel's basically following the format of the comic books where basically like, it's more about the arc and the bigger picture. Whereas most cinema, when you watch a movie, like you're supposed to watch that one movie and it likes, and it's supposed to like stick with you in the beginning and end, which is a fair critique to say. So when you say it doesn't stick with you, I could understand it because I was trying to figure it out for a while. And then I thought about it over the summer trying to figure it out. And I think what's going to happen is this, is that I think the way these movies work, it doesn't work like traditional movies where it's like the movie itself stays with you. I think what's going to happen is once you get to Avengers, the, the, it's like the, it's going to be a 22 movie arc by the end of 2019. And then the next Spider-Man week kicks off the next storyline. And I think it's going to happen is this, is that I don't think not so much the single movies are going to stay with people. I think what's going to happen is, especially in this binging generation, I think it's going to happen is this, is that people are going to watch these in a row once it gets out. And then once the, if they stick the landing with the, with the last Avengers movie, Avengers 4 in 2019, and if they stick the landing, I think people are going to go back and watch the whole thing. And I think the whole thing as a whole will be memorable as compared to as a particular movie sticking with you. I think that's the theory. But, um, but as compared to like, like traditional filmmaking, where it's like that movie should stand on its own, and if it doesn't stand on its own, then it fails. And I think that's the thing that critics are struggling with right now because it's meant to be, in a way, um, a arc, and it's not so much a, like a, like a plot arc. It's more like characters interaction. That's the plot as compared to like the bad guy. You got to stop them because at the end of the day, even it's Ultron made the argument where it's like the bad guy always comes around. So what what is the strength of the story? The, the, these broken characters, the Avengers, these broken characters, um, the Guardians, and basically like um, you have your you have your side characters like a Spider Man or a Black Panther dealing with their thing, and they all come together to make like this big giant dysfunctional family that comes together when it counts in a sense. So yeah, um, I, I'd agree with all of that to be honest. I mean, we've kind of covered that in um, in the Marvel cinematic universe podcast that we did uh, a while back so maybe listen to that listener all right so what's your mark out of 10 for um for gotg2 okay so if i'm going to recommend it to people i would say like a um like a like a seven and seven between a seven and an eight for the average person it's very enjoyable but for me as far as me being a writer and me enjoying the whole arc of it i think it's like a like a nine for me, Age of Ultron is still my number one, and then Spider-Man, and then this one is like number three. Only because of the what they bring to the bigger picture that'll show up later on. But for the regular person, I would say to recommend them like seven or eight. Okay. 
Um, I'm going to go with a seven, if I'm honest, because I think the the volume one, well, the first one, I think that had a real surprise value that you can't that you, you just can't replicate in in a sequel, obviously. So um, I found this entertaining. To be perfectly honest, I walked out of the cinema. I was like, I really enjoyed that, but I could quite easily have watched that at home and just not bothered at the cinema. You know, like it didn't feel like it needed to be a, a trip to the cinema for me personally. But um, but yeah, so that that's what I'd say. But it's definitely definitely good, enjoyable film. Um, okay, next up, uh, War of No War for the Planet of the Apes. I was really looking forward to this because this was the kind of culmination of a trilogy, and I think they really nailed the first two. They were just exceptional films. And I was really hoping to quote Rashad uh, that they would stick the landing. And the first hour of this, I was kind of like, yeah, this is brilliant. I'm really enjoying this. And um, and then it just dragged on and on and on. It was just way too long. And certain parts of it were really cheesy. I don't think Woody Harrelson's character was great. I'm not going to ruin the whole thing or anything um, because th- this is spoiler free. But I just don't think worked as well as I wanted it to to be honest if they just honest to god if they chopped like 20 minutes of this I think my my thoughts would be completely different and that is why editing is so important people it's so important so um the special effects were stunning I think I think for the first 20 minutes half an hour my mouth was just a gog I was like how the hell have they filmed this the special effects are incredible just absolutely mind-blowing so I think once I got over that and then the the storyline shifted along, I was like, yep, yep, yep. And then it just dragged on way too long. Um, How about yourself? Oh, I was the opposite. To me, I was basically like, because um, for me, I thought it was, as far as, I don't want to ruin for the end of the movie, but as far as what the apes do to humans at the end, in in the Planet Apes, the old Planet Apes movie, it was like they gave them the blueprint and it's almost like a a tragedy. I don't want to, spoil the movie i'll just say this if anybody who watched the first two movies where you know caesar's trying to avoid the apes becoming like the human beings and stuff like that like for me it was like especially when you get to that 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 last half that last hour of the movie where caesar kind of like reconnects with his people basically it's almost like the thing that caesar tried to avoid for his people Woody Harrelson and his and the people that he was with they were giving the apes the blueprints of how they're going to treat the human beings later on Literally. And what happens to Caesar at the end, it kind of, and especially, okay, like, you know, he has kids. And I think if, if, especially, I think, I think here's the other problem. I think if you know the name of his son and you have an idea of what happens later on and why that name's so important, then, it, then it's kind of like, it's even more messed up because in a way his son is, his son won't learn the lesson that his father tried to put upon him. Whereas certain people who knew Caesar at that point would understand what went through and what what the moral compass should have been. But everything that happened in this movie kind of like there was no turning back. Caesar was almost like the apes last chance of combining human beings. And what and once what happened at the end of that movie happened there, I think it's going to be. And when his son comes into play, it's almost like the humans, the humans doom is sealed. I mean, fate are sealed pretty much. So, I mean, I get the part where it's like, I will say this, though. Um, I know people say it's one of the greatest trilogy of all time. I would argue no, only because cause we defend your argument about it being um, dragging on. I will say that the textures of all three movies, it kind of runs the same after a while. Maybe the first one, not so much because it's more an urban environment. But once you get to the second two, the second two kind of bleed in together. And I would, and I would also say that as much as I enjoyed the third one, I would say if if I was to recommend if somebody told me to recommend one of the movies to them, I could easily recommend them the second one, and they would never have to see the other two. I think the second one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I completely agree. I completely agree. Yeah, that that is the nail. I think you've hit the nail on the head. To be honest. Yeah, and I I do give me I enjoyed the, the all three of them, but I kind of like bite my tongue when people say it's one of the greatest trilogies. I think sometimes I made this argument. I think there's been this thing going on this summer with 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 critics to a certain extent, and. And I think they have to understand. I think some of them have to understand something. Like they're, ups- I think some of them are frustrated because blockbusters are making a lot of money at the movie theater. And I think a lot of it, a lot, and then the movies that are like more cerebral aren't making as much money as they should. And I would make this argument. I'm like, there's a, especially in the streaming area, 
viewing people's viewing habits are shifting. And you kind of talked about it a little bit with the Guardians of the Galaxy, depending on how your taste is. Certain people, if you go to the if you go to the cinema, especially now, and especially the way the terminals, the movie the terminal, I think most people go to the movies to be entertained in a movie theater. They want to get out of there and see something entertaining. They don't want to see anything depressing. And that's not a knock on people that are intellectual. It's just that when you're going out, you want to go out and have a good time, you want to be depressed. Whereas with streaming services more along the lines, you're at your home, it's more intimate, you got a nice screen. So it's like it's more personal if you're watching a drama or something that's a little bit more like like challenging and complex. And I think that's the way it's going right now. But I would also say this to some of those critics, like the spectacles always only for the most part happen like for the three months of the summer and maybe a little bit beginning, start in March, maybe. But when September comes in, there's barely any spectacle. So, so I don't understand sometimes when they say it's all spectacle all the time. I'm like, when by the time that se- September comes, it kind of goes into more cerebral stuff. It's like Oscar season. I might get the serious shit out the way. But I think a lot of reaction right now is that viewing habits are changing and it's going another direction as compared to like, well, movies are filling at the theater because people don't want to see cerebral stuff. They they do. People are watching Game of Thrones. People are watching all kind of Netflix shows. They're watching Orange and New Black. They're watching sophisticated stuff. It's just at home. But when they go out to the movie theaters, they want to have entertainment more than anything else. That seems like to me. I don't know if I'm thinking that wrong or not. No, I think you're spot on, to be honest. Um, I mean, just uh, we can speak in a wider context about everyone else, but I can speak from my own personal experience. You know, now I've got a cinema near me, then fine. I don't mind popping out and seeing the things. But before I didn't, you know, before it was kind of like at least more really 20 minutes away and stuff, which I know in America is nothing, but in London, it's like a million miles. So, (laughs) you know, for me to plan it out, I've got small children, all this kind of stuff. Is this worth my time? Because it's not easy for parents with um, small children to get out and go to the cinema. It's just not, you know, it's a fact. Okay, I can go on my own, but I couldn't take my wife because otherwise we'd have to get a babysitter in this, that. And it's got to be worth it, you know. And and like you're saying, it's just just as a wider concept before we get into the next film. Is this worth it? Is this worth my time? Am I being entertained properly? Um, or could I just have watched this at home? Now, I think you're spot on by saying the second one of the, the Planet of the Apes trilogy is the best one. And do you know where I watched that? I watched that on a flight literally on a long haul flight that is where i watched it and it was so good and that was better than watching the third one in the cinema because the film was just so much better i thought it was well more much more well paced and well made and thoughtfully done and and quality shines through it doesn't matter where you watch it if you're watching it on your phone or on a vr set or this or that then i i think quality shines through in the end so i think that was why the third one just did disappoint me a bit um what would you give it as a score out of 10? If I was given, if I'll give the whole Apes trilogy. So I would give the first one, and don't, and my thing is five is average. So anything above a five is good. You know what I'm trying to say? So I'm not the people where like five is terrible. Ter- five is like just a decent movie. So I would give the, the first one like a seven. I would give the second one like a nine. And I would give this one like an eight. So I would give it an eight. Okay. Um, I would probably give this one. I think I'd give this one about a six, six and a half. It could easily have been an eight, eight and a half if they just chopped off a lot of time. There was a lot of fat in this film, I have to say. Um, and and it, it really felt like it for me personally. Uh, but I can definitely see your point of view. Okay. Now, um, there are three more films to cover. Two of them I haven't seen. So I think what we'll do is we, we'll forget the five-minute timer and kind of half that. You can just talk about... Um, about what you thought of them, obviously in a non-spoilerish way, because I will watch them eventually, and uh, and whether or not you think, you know, I'll join in with the listeners at this point, and you can you can sort of try and convince us why we should or shouldn't watch these films. So, the uh, the first one is Baby Driver. So, I'm asking a question: How big is Edgar Wright in London, in the UK? Who? You know, you know the director of that. Do you know who Edgar Wright is? No. Wow. <laughs> no, it's funny because okay, let me give you a little cultural context. Okay, so over here, uh, uh, there's a guy named Edgar Wright. He's a he's a he's a he's a British director, and like and like the critics over here, they fawn over him. He did Strong of the Dead. He did Hot Fuzz. He did uh, The World's End. He did Scott Pilgrim, and he did Baby Driver. So over here. The critics always fawn over him like he's like like he's like this well-known guy and he's popular. So now that I'm hearing that you as a London 
<laughs> don't even know who the guy is. That it didn't make even more sense to why what happened happened. So he's he's like praised by critics left and right. I don't know how it is with the critics over in um, in Britain, but over here he's like, oh my goodness, Did you, have you seen Shaun of the Dead? Shaun of the Dead, yes, and the original um, TV program Spaced and Hot Fuzz, yeah, those are all huge films, especially Shaun of the Dead. However, those are basically what's his name, Simon Pegg. These are looked at as Simon Pegg, and I think the guy, the uh, his sidekick is Nick Frost. Nick, Nick Frost. Nick Frost, okay. yeah. So those are the two that the focus completely went on, absolutely hugely went on. I mean, in fact, even even to be perfectly honest, I, I pretty much half thought Simon Pegg directed that film. So um, that's how out of the loop I am. So I didn't know wow. who you were talking about. Yeah. Wow. So that's 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 an eye opener for me. Wow. Because the way I when I follow critics over here, they like praise him to high heaven. So I'm assuming like okay, and and like I said, Simon Pegg is well known. So I was assuming like you guys would have been, like he'd have been like some kind of household name, or at least for people who are like more aware of like art or like film or whatever like that. So that's kind of interesting. So. I enjoyed I enjoyed um Shaun of the Dead. I didn't see um Spaced, the TV show, but I know of it. I didn't see Hot Fuzz and I didn't see At the World's End. And I love Scott Pilgrim. I love, 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 love Scott Pilgrim. So I saw this one and critics were like making like a big brouhaha over it. Like, yeah, this is excellent return to cinema. And this goes back to my this goes back to my thing. Like sometimes they they go too hard for certain films because they're not quote unquote blockbusters or Marvel movies. So they were like, yeah, so blah, blah, blah. So I watched it and it's an enjoyable movie. It's basically a movie about, and I'm not spoiling anything because the plot is like simple if you can figure it out. It's like a kid who like, he drive, like he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a heist driver, basically. And the way he drives is like, he listens to music. So he has to have music on him to, to like, to like, like be in the rhythm to kind of drive or something like that. So the way the movie is shot is whenever an action scene comes up, the, the cutting editing is shot and cut to the movie and the rhythm of it. So basically it's like, Sometimes it'll be a sound or whatever, like in a movie that is timed to the beat or timed to like a, like a rhythm or something like that. It's like, holy shit. So it's like that. So I would say, I mean, you could ask me any questions about it. I mean, it's pretty simple. So to me, I thought it was very enjoyable, but the danger with this movie was like they overhyped it so much that when me and my friend saw it, I'm like, oh, it's okay. But like, but this is coming from a person that I don't fall for hype, but even though I didn't fall for the hype, I'm watching it. And then as soon as I watched it, I got it as, okay, this is something that wasn't a blockbuster or a Marvel movie. So I think they were praising it a little bit too much instead of letting it be what it was going to be. But I thought it was very enjoyable. It's a fun movie. But I think this is the one where, like, you know how you say it doesn't stick with you after you leave? This is the one that didn't stick with me after I leave. I would say, I would make the point of, I would you would see it. I mean, maybe you might even like it because you, you're a music critic. Maybe you'll even appreciate it even more because of the timing and the music and stuff they use. But then I would also say it's kind of similar to Guardians in a way, the way it uses music. Even though Guardians doesn't cut uh, the rhythm of the, the images to the, to the beat, this one does a little bit more. And it kind of uses that old, like that 60s, 70s music and stuff like that. So it's similar to that aspect. But it's like an enjoyable like action film. It's just that the inno- the quote-unquote innovation, if you want to call it that, is that the editing is cut directly to the music. Okay, see, I didn't know any of that at all. Um, so that's actually a really useful primer um, because I did want to see this, and I, I think I even tweeted you about it saying, look, you know, should I watch this or I think it was Planet of the Apes in the cinema. And uh, I think you said go watch Planet of the Apes in the cinema. Um, and I think this is the kind of film which would probably be perfectly enjoyable at home uh, in the sanctity of my own home. So that's probably a great shout uh what would you give it out of 10 all right so out of 10 i would give it like a like a solid seven maybe 6.5 and that like i said going back to what i'm saying five is average so anything i give a six or a seven to is like that's above average so i would say that much and like i said there may be some people who out there listening to this like it may be right up your alley and it might even blow you away depending on how you feel or whatever like that but it's i, I would say it's fun it's entertaining if you want to get out there and be entertained to have a good time I was. I recommend that. Now, the next one is one that I just still haven't seen. When it came out, uh, life was just absolutely crazy. I couldn't get to the cinema at that point, and it still hasn't come out on rental. I think it comes out in a few weeks, basically. So as soon as it comes out, I will watch it. It is Wonder Woman. Okay. Now, you saw this in the cinema, did you not? Yes, I did. And what did you think? Okay. 
So I'm gonna do I'm gonna do this two ways. I'm gonna do it the the regular way, and I'm gonna do it the other way. The other way might it's go, the other way might sound harsh, but it's not harsh. Okay, so I feel like Wonder Woman is well worth anybody's time because number one, I would say the first thing off. Number one, there needs to be and and they're coming. There's two movies coming soon next year. You got the Wasp and Ant Man, which she's the co-star with Ant Man, and then you got Captain Marvel, which is Marvel's uh, other thing. It's I, it's very important the fact that there needs to be more women in these movies, and and, and they're working right now because <sighs> I'm gonna say this: when I collected comic books back in the day, and don't get me wrong, there were women collecting comic books. So not to say like women never exposed to it. It, it wasn't as mainstream as it was. Um, right now and Aries Valley has been getting on there and stuff like that has opened up. So I would say just on the effect that it was, it was, it's, it's culturally, it's culturally, it's these four like genre storytelling. I'm not, I'm not saying like it's, it's revolutionary. It's changing the face of cinema. But I'm saying more of like a social impact is good. If you have a little girl or a daughter, I mean, if you have a daughter or you have family members who are like starving for like something that's more female centric that want to see something that's like uplifting, I would highly recommend seeing this movie just on that spot alone. This is beyond the quality of it. I mean, it's rah-rah and stuff like that. And there's a middle scene that I think is one of the, the, one of the, like, one of the more iconic moments as far as superheroes go. Like, you know how when you, I don't know if you guys have watched the original Superman and like you're, like, there's Christopher Reeve Superman. And if you were, if you were our age of Superman, and I don't know how it was with you, Jessel, but when, when you watched Christopher Reeve Superman, you were inspired to be a better person. Like, you felt like, Superman cared and wanted to help people like that. Like the middle scene of this movie, it kind of gave me that feeling. I mean, other than there's certain things I'll talk about with other, with, with other parts of the movie later on, but it's like that specific middle of the movie is like, is like worth the, the, the price of admission because that gives you that Christopher Reeve vibe and a director, Patty Jenkins. Um, and, and I'm, I'm going to pray. I'm going to give her some praise for, for a minute. I'm not going to go all, I'm not going to go too long with it. I will say this. She had to fight. This I'll say this. Because after Batman, Superman, and Suicide Squad came out, DC felt like they needed to steer more towards a positive aspect towards Marvel movies. And the funny thing about... I had to defend Marvel movies for a minute. Sometimes people think that because the Marvel movies are fun and humorous, they don't have a dark aspect. They do have a dark aspect, but they understand that you have to have rhythm. Everything can't be always dark. Because if you look at some of these stories, like Guardians of the Galaxy, it's, it's humorous. But they, the people are screwed up. They're fucked up, and they're still working on issues that they're going with. Like Rocket Raccoon is shut off from people. He hurts people because he doesn't want to get his hurt. It's like stuff like that. So sometimes when people make this argument where DC's darker and Marvel's not, it's like they're simplifying it. It's just that with Wonder Woman, she understands that there need to be levity here, and there need to be other stuff that were serious. And Wonder Woman has that balance where it's like there's moments where it's like there's levity, and Wonder Woman's having and not so having a good time, but it's, it's levity, and 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 the situations call for levity. But then she's there. She's a person who hasn't been with humans as much. And she's looking at World War One, and she's seeing that pain that's going through World War One. And in, in some ways, her actions, rather than her like giving great speeches, her actions are inspiring people to be better people, which is the great part of the movie. And to def- and to give Patty Jenkins all the credit in the world, she the, the best scene in the movie, she had to fight the studio to keep it in there. She had to fight the studio to keep it in there. So just to give her a little bit of heads up, like they're making a Wonder Woman too, and they recently just gave her a contract, and she had to fight basically for. And this is what this goes back to why it's socially important to kind of support these movies if you're into like female. I mean, I know it's corporate, blah blah yada yada yada, but we all know that there's corp corporations have a big way of like affecting how people see how other people are and stuff like that. And the fact that she represented very correctly and she had, and she still had to fight, even though that movie was the biggest hit of the summer, that movie made more than Spider-Man movie makes more than the Guardians of the Galaxy. It was the biggest hit of the summer and she still had to fight to get a, get bigger pay. And she had to fight for creative control for the next time. They st- even, even though she performed all that, they, she still didn't do that. So we have a long ways to go. So on that aspect, I highly recommend it. Now on like the more the creative half, I feel like if if she fought for the control she got from this one, then that next one's gonna be fantastic. Because if you watch the movie, and I'm being more critical right now, if you watch the movie, it felt like whatever the studio was doing, they were superficially following the Marvel movies. Cause it kind of felt like if you watch the the first door and the first Captain America, it felt like that's what they were trying to go for, a mixture of that stuff. And you and if you watched it as a like a 
like a person who likes film and stuff like that, you can see that she was fighting. She was fighting with all of her might against the um the situation that she was in. And in spite of that, her vision still kind of came through. Because even at the, the third half, it kind of went back to that old DC ending kind of sense in a way. But it was still great despite what they were trying to do to her. So, I mean, that's my opinion of it. So I would give it like, for my personal taste, just for the sheer, just for her vision getting through with throughout the bullshit, I would give it like an, um, like a seven. Um, for little girls and for women that are starving for this kind of stuff, it's going to be a lot higher. For me as a guy, I can't understand how it would even be. Cause I've seen so many women like love this movie. And, and I'm sure there's some women who like whatever, blah, but I've seen so many women enjoy it. So for me as a guy, I really can't say how that means because we've been catered to for a long ass time with superhero movies. And this is like one of the first ones. Don't get me wrong. There were, there were shows and stuff like that before, but not on the scale. It's almost different. And I, and I don't want to ruin it too much before we go to the last movie, but I'm going to say something. The problem was with this is that they were going back to Batman and Superman for so fucking long. They would keep rebooting Batman, rebooting Superman, rebooting Batman. It's kind of a disrespectful that Wonder Woman, like the third biggest per- that one, and now she's in the front of it right now. If you look at trailers now for Justice League, they put Wonder Woman out in front. And it's like, it's crazy that for 30 years, the most popular female superhero of all time, it took her 30 years. And it also took them until Marvel's going to make money to even throw her in there. So it's insane. So. Uh, so for women, it'll probably be a lot, and little girls, it's going to be like Superman for us. So that's what I have to say about that. I, I mean, obviously, I haven't seen it, and I think that's a great summation. I can't wait to see it, to be honest. Wonder Woman was my favorite, one of, I mean, my favorite superhero when I was growing up. Um, like the TV show was just brilliant. I haven't, I've never even watched it back, but I just, my memories of it are fantastic. So, yes, like for sure. And, and if you talk about representation, this is the last quick point before we get to the last film. Um, like, say, when Black Panther comes out next year, I'm not going to understand it as fully as you are because you're a black guy. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like you're yeah, going to understand yeah. it on a completely different level to, uh, or not understand, but you will appreciate it on a completely different level because that will be a, an absolutely groundbreaking film. It absolutely will. Um, so we, we all have kind of, I mean, as guys generally we're catered to, but you know, ethnic minorities uh, or women have just been pushed to the side for, ever basically you know and and, and this is finally kind of proving look you can and also you've got to give some credit to star wars as well because you know the 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 p diddy remix of star wars that came out like about you know almost two years ago now they really pushed women to the front there as well so i think this is a good thing you know it's an absolutely good thing okay now if you detect detect a, a slight note of trepidation in my voice before we reach the final film then uh, soon you'll discover why now this film is called Dunkirk and uh, and I was really looking forward to it I was so looking forward to it everyone had been saying this is the best film this is Christopher Nolan's best film blah 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 and um and I fell asleep. I'm not talking metaphorically. I literally fell asleep in the cinema. And this is at seven o'clock. This is seven o'clock in the evening showing. This is not like a late night showing. Seven o'clock in the evening. Um, I think it was about an hour and five minutes into the film. I dozed off for 20 minutes, <laughs> woke up again. Uh, I gave it another five minutes and then I left. And, um, and then since then I have gone back and watched it. So I know what happens. And, um, and my opinion hasn't really changed, if I'm honest. So, uh, so I'll, I'll kind of break that down more. But first, I want to know what Rashad thinks about it. So, what do you no, think? No, you break that it? down. You break that down because I think we, I think we already know that that I'm going to be on the opposite part of this. But I just want to hear. I'm interested in hearing your thing because I mean, I, my thing's going to be pretty simple. My thing's going to be super simple. I'm interested in seeing because because you're, you're one of the few people that I know who saw the movie that what that wasn't really impressed by it. So I'm more interested in that at this point. Okay, so I'm not I'm not going to spoil it because. I mean, to be perfectly honest, there's not really too much to it's spoil. It's not to spoil, um, to be honest with you. It's not really. It's I mean, you could Dunkirk. Look, if you know anything yeah. about history, you know what happened anyway. I mean, I don't know if, if how many people around the world would know the story of Dun- Dunkirk. This is true, obviously. Um, and and then you add in Christopher Nolan. So when you get Christopher Nolan, you get a lot of wanking with timelines and stuff like that. So here there are three separate timelines. Um, and then in this particular film, it's basically, I think it... 
he kind of said it had a silent movie aspect to it, like from back in the sort of 30s and 40s. I wish he'd just done that full stop, to be perfectly honest. I think it would have been more effective because there's not a lot of talking, but when there is, I don't think it works. Um, the score by Hans Zimmer, Jesus Christ, it should be sponsored by a migraine uh, fucking what? thing. It's, oh, gee, oh my God, it did my head in it literally did my head in and you know what i'm not alone so many people have also said that it really did my head in i could not stand it it's just hammer 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 bang 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 blah 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 and oh i just couldn't i just couldn't stand it also there were certain plot points which were ridiculous like beyond ridiculous just stupid asinine and um and the funny thing is if i watch that again see is it a good film Yes. Is it important? Yes. Did I like it? No. And and I could watch it in the future and come back to it and think, yeah, actually, you know, I, I, will, I enjoyed it more than the time I saw it in the cinema, but I would still always hold on to how I felt in the cinema <laughs> watching it because that's exactly how I felt. And and there, there are multiple problems with this film. I'm not alone. We are a minority. We have a resistance growing and, and you know, <laughs> <laughs> but... But I, I, you know what you were saying? Which film were you saying about earlier? That that it's kind of like, I think you were saying with Baby Driver that because all the other ones were kind of those typical blockbusters and you know superhero ones and stuff that maybe yeah. critics kind of overhyped it because this was a yeah. reaction to it. Exactly the same with Dunkirk because when you get a summer full of you know superheroes and blah blah blah, it's literally the blah blah blah. And 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 Dunkirk was a, a, a useful counterpoint to that for sure. But I think the critics were way over the top. People are saying this is Christopher Nolan's best film. I don't think it's even in his top five, pretty much. Like, I mean, it, it's expertly made in certain respects, especially technically. But otherwise, no, man. Oh. And there you go. Hey, can't win them all, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so uh, so all right. I, so for me, yeah, okay, so I, I'll do my real quick thing, my summation. Obviously, I love the movie, but I, I'll just say this: when I first started watching it, it kind of like the first ten minutes, kind of like I, it was kind of slow into it because, like I said, I just came off of. It's weird because I just came off of. I seen three movies in three weekends. I seen Spider Man first weekend. I seen Planet Apes the next weekend, and I seen Dunkirk the weekend after that. So it was like three weekends in a row. So, I think. Planet Apes set me up for this because it was a little slow. So I was like, okay, this movie's slow. And I seen the time thing. Okay, what? So I sat there. And I think, so I was like, okay, this is an okay movie, blah, blah, blah. And I think once they, once they got, once they, once they met Harry, it was weird because once they saw Harry Styles, that's when the movie went from like good to like holy shit. And then I was like, I was like, I was like, like fixated from like the beginning to end. And that soundtrack to me was like holy shit phenomenal. I was like, oh my, and that ticking clock, like, nah. I felt for, okay, for me, like I said, I have to say something about film critics. They got to calm down. They really do. Because they're not doing themselves any favors sometimes. It's like, just tell people, just tell people what it is and don't do this. Well, in the summer of blah, blah, blah. Cause I, I'm going to say this. Since I've been born, since Star Wars, I've been hearing the, the end of cinema since, since I was like a little kid. Every year I've heard that. Every year. Like, oh, well, Star Wars fucked up everything and now everything's dumb. It's not like the 70s anymore. And then, the, and then the 80s comes by, and then, you, you know I'm right, and then the 80s come by, and then you see stuff, and then, like, you had Spielberg movies, stuff like that, and then the 90s come by, well, they don't make them like the 80s anymore. I'm like, oh, I was like, when are they going to make them like they, because it's like, if, if you really want to be analytical about this shit, what, what happens is this, there's like maybe 10% of the movies that come out within a year, maybe there's like 600, 800 movies that come out a year, whether, whether, whether Hollywood, independent, or whatever, like that, you know, Andrew movies come out a year, and then, if you're lucky, you have 10% of them that are quality films, right? And you tend to remember those and you reject all the other Flop Sam and Jet Sam, all that, all that crap like that. So then you get nostalgic for a time that wasn't really what you thought it was. It was like you had the 10% of those great movies. And then because that was the time, and then when you get to the next decade, you complain about that decade you're in. And then you want to complain about the decade that's the next decade. So I'm like, okay, let's count a little bit. Like, like right now, last year, I remember, I remember more movies that were dramas than I remember blockbusters, to be honest with you. That's, I, that's my personal feeling. I remember more of the movies that came out in the, in the summer. I mean, it, it, like the fall to the winter that I remember the summer movies. I even remember maybe like Captain America Civil War and like maybe one or two and then that was it. But I'm um, getting back to what I'm saying. So, so Dunker comes back. I thought, it, I personally thought it was excellent. Is it the greatest movie of all time, like people are saying? Or it deserves an Oscar. Well, you know, well, my feels Oscars are different, different story about that. But I want them to calm down. 
calm down. Like I said, so I, I recommend it to you because I thought it would be up your alley, and evidently it wasn't. So you're not wrong for that. And like I said, I've heard people who said it wasn't. But then again, I'm a person who loves The Dark Knight Rises, and people think that movie's shit. So hey, my taste is not going to go with the mainstream sometimes. So it is, you know what I'm saying? So it is what it is. But I will say this. It's an acquired taste. I will say that. I will say that. I think people who are looking for like a solid, because I heard people complain about it's not a solid narrative. And they have anything to let nobody latch on to, and there's no emotional attachment, which is true. There's no really emotional attachment unless you, unless the movie catches you getting caught up in a moment, then you're getting caught up in a moment. But if you don't, if the moment's not grabbing you, or the way the execution's not grabbing you, then the movie's not going to grab you. There's no character to hold on to to get you through the movie. You don't know any of the characters. Then maybe the only person you kind of know is Tom Hardy, but you know Tom Hardy because he's Tom Hardy. But even he doesn't have a plot. He's just flying around. The, I mean, I'm not. I'm selling it short, but he's just flying around on the plane for like an hour. So you're like, okay, you have anybody to latch on to, really. I mean, you have Kenneth Branagh. I mean, he can sell anything, but he's not a real character. He's basically he like... He was shit. Kenneth Branagh was dreadful. His character was dreadful. His acting was... And I've <laughs> met him before. No, 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 no. I've met okay. him before. I love the guy. He's brilliant. He's, mm-hmm. he's a great crack. Absolutely. But I didn't. I did not think that the script serviced him well. I don't think he okay. did a great job. Uh, and, and he's got probably the most lines in the film, right? Maybe. Well, well um, Lance. Okay. Um, oh yeah, you're right. Actually, yeah. Um, but okay, fine. But I, I just, I don't know. I just don't think this worked. I just it didn't, it didn't sing with you. It just did not work. This film. And and, and the funny thing is, is, that I know that I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna watch it when it comes on at home, and I will appreciate it, but I will not like it. And people saying it's a great war movie. It's not a great war movie. It's basically a survival movie. You know. Um, and 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 even Chris Nolan said that actually. So <sighs> I don't know. I, 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 it's more of a thriller. It's more of a thriller. It's not a, if if you I mean, if you compare that listen okay you said you like the Dark Knight Rises I actually watched this after Dunkirk because after Dunkirk I, I went on a Twitter rant about it and I was like I just, blah 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 <laughs> I got a lot of backlash a lot of people were slating me yeah as if I was some sort of just like Neanderthal moron whatever and so I went back and watched certain Christopher Nolan films and and Dark Knight Rises was one of them I watched I watched Interstellar um, I watched a couple of others. Dark Knight Rises, I still think that film is trash. It's just nothing makes sense in that film. I just don't think it's very good, especially compared to The Dark Knight, which I think is one of my favourite films this century. And it's exceptional in almost every single way, I think, in, in every single way. Compare this film to The Dark Knight on a quality level, yeah, and, and in terms of the care and attention that's been made. And I think then that they're, they're a similar level. But the thing is, is The Dark Knight, uh, the Dark Knight rather, has actual characters that you care about and it has some a storyline that makes sense and and it has plot twists and this and that whereas i think dunkirk is it's very experimental uh, and i i love that um it's not it's not a straightforward just here's a bang out war movie that we can you know try and go for the oscars i think it really does play with you and i think that's a good thing Eps, uh, but I just don't think it worked. I really don't think it worked, but not for me. And I know lots of people that loved it um, and fair enough. But for me, no, no, no. And and I'm going to come back to this when it comes out on home release and stuff. And um, yeah, I will rewatch it for sure. So maybe in the future, (laughs) future episode, we'll dedicate it to Dunkirk. And uh, (laughs) maybe if you can twist my arm, but let's see. Um, Okay. So what would you give it out of 10? I'd give it an eight. Okay, I'm going to give two scores. I'm going to do a Rashad here. So uh, for how technically good a film I think it was, I'm going to give it like a seven and a half. Uh, For how much I enjoyed it, I'm going to give it a four and a half. No, you know what? That's too close to average. I'm going to give it a four. Four. Four out of ten. You can at me, people, on Twitter. You can do it. I don't care. I will defend (laughs) Myself. Absolutely. <laughs> Jessel TV. J E S A L T V. You can go for it. Ooh. Obviously go go for the official one, uh, the uh, T underscore rebels, but <laughs> you Ooh. can flood me with hate. I don't care. Jesus. Oh dear. I had to get that off my do you know what I've been waiting so long to get that off my chest. That's funny. This feels good. Oh, it's so good to be back doing this podcast. Right. Well, uh do you, okay, so did you watch any other films that you'd like to bring uh, bring some sort of limelight to or not? No, not really. I, I'll say what I'm looking forward to for the next couple of months. Okay. I'm looking forward to um, Darren Aronofsky's mother. I'm looking for, of course, I'm looking forward to Thor Ragnarok. And then I'm just waiting for like when the when the usually when fall movies come out, there's movies that come out of nowhere that that 
gets me interested and surprised. So I'm just waiting for something to come out at me. But I think the two right now I'm looking forward to are uh, Mother and Thor Ragnarok. I have no desire to see um, The Last Jedi and I have no desire to see um, Justice League. I'm trying to think what else. Um, I think that's it right now. Unless you bring something up I can think about. No, no, that's pretty much. I am looking forward to The Last Jedi for sure. I, I just, I don't know. You know, I, I won't be able to resist. So, um, yeah, the only other film that I watched was a Bollywood film, which was pretty dreadful, called uh, Job Harry Met Sejal, which is kind of like a twist on When Harry Met Sally. Okay. And uh, it, it has like the, the biggest star, Shah Rukh Khan. And um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, I enjoyed it because um mm. for, for various reasons but it wasn't a very good film basically okay. like absolutely no it's not worth it was pa- it was three hours yeah um, no it was kind of it, it was experimental actually until it wasn't so basically i think the script got hacked up effectively from what i've heard so it could have been a really kind of modern uh twist on bollywood and and taken that original it's not really the original film or anything like that that when harry met sally but it's kind of a twist on it it could have been really good and really modern and edgy but then they bollywooded it up basically and start inserting really shit songs and stuff so that was a shame it could have been better i think with a better director or script writer i think it could have been really good but it it wasn't it was just very average very average but yeah and it was like three hours long so you know what Bollywood films it, Bollywood films are so long they have an intermission like an actual intermission it just wow. stops oh yeah man do they earn intermissions do they earn intermissions do the plot earn intermissions no not even slightly but I mean most most <laughs> Bollywood films don't you know this was a uh, Yash Raj is like the, the, the film outlet which is the, the, the sort of producer that makes the best biggest budget ones huge kind of really kind of glamorous stars and, and, and these okay. overwrought love stories and stuff like that and this was from that stable it, it wasn't anywhere near that level to be honest this kind of felt a bit half-baked it was, it was quite funny okay. uh, but yeah yeah it has an intermission so after about an hour and 20 minutes um it comes to a crucial plot point the music swells up ridiculously loud and you know okay there's an intermission coming it literally just says intermission then you go off get your popcorn Go to the toilet, come back. You still got a good five minutes. Check your phone, blah blah blah, and then it just starts up again. <laughs> wow! <laughs> Listeners around the world are going to be thinking, "What the fuck is he talking about?" But it, it's—I'm <laughs> not joking at all. I'm not joking. Yeah. So there you go. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. So uh, yeah, I think we've covered all, all the sort of major ones that we saw and everything like that. So uh, yeah, looking forward on the Transatlantic Rebels. We've got a great lineup of shows coming up so uh so and we've also made some structural changes which you'd be listening to right now so um yeah if there's any feedback we've got a facebook page which is transatlantic rebels podcast uh, our twitter handle is t underscore rebels so um so let us know uh especially i do you know what i really want to know what people think of dunkirk that's the one in particular <laughs> that i'm fascinated i want to know if anyone agrees with me um so yeah thanks very much and uh peace <laughs>